Last week too. He ain't right. No, I, there is never been right. Things I, going on here. God, you were on last but, week too. No, we were not on last week. There was basketball. Oh, last that's week. why you're so excited. There was some so different excited. kind of dribbling going on last week. Yes. Out of the mouth versus this kind of dribbling, and I were dribbling to words. Oh, means okay. one on one the radio. Well, welcome back, Dave. Welcome back from 19. Apparently, it's the 1980s, and this is laser hits. This is actually. I was telling Ashley Weltner, our engineer. This is what is this week? This is like throwback week. Basically, 30th anniversary, 30th anniversary of, of w- William Patterson's Brave New Radio as an FM station. Actually, the call letters are WPSC for William Patterson State College. Yes. Which is what this was back in the day when you first came here. That's correct. Dr. Esteban Marconi is who we're talking to, everybody. Dr. Esteban Marconi is who well, we're talking to. Where's our bell? Thank you very much. We had a bell. The bell is gone. We'll have to just... Bubble uh, machine? Yeah. We, we, yeah. we could have some sort of bubble machine or something Cheap. visual. Right. But really cool. So what are we doing tonight? Today, bonus two-hour show. If this is a podcast, it's still a one-hour show. But for those of you listening live, and there are 16 million of you worldwide, especially Russia, that's our favorite place. Mm-hmm. Two-hour show. Our first hour features pianist, Grammy-award-winning pianist, William Charlap. Wow. William Charlap. You would, you would say actually Charlap. Yeah, I was going to say, so what kind of um, mispronunciations have been done of your name over the years? And well, speaking to the mic. Charlap is one of them. Char, char yeah. with a hard yeah. char. Just like char. That, yeah. What is char? Isn't that something like a <laughs> Something Latin? that gets burnt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or it has been burnt. Yes. Right. Okay. So this interview was already it's, burning it's, down. No, it's really, it's pronounced wrong all the time because the real name is Chalap. <laughs> That's real. Yeah. Honestly, your well, name I mean, you know, only if you're up on Nagel Avenue or something. Or uh-huh. right. Talking to uh, somebody who might be a Orthodox rabbi. Right. But <laughs> since there's nobody in my family who is, uh-huh. and nobody that I know who, mm-hmm. who uh, is uh, essentially leaning quite that way, everyone has always called me Charlotte. Charlotte. So Charlotte. William Shalop, everybody. William Shalop. Don't start with an accent. You had it right. William Shalop. So when they announced the Grammy in front of millions on national TV, that was the first, instead of Best New Artist, it was Best, what was the award for Best Grammy Album? I'm not Best (laughs) Grammy. Best Grammy (laughs) Award winning album. Best uh, best Grammy ever. Just kind of the greatest person. (laughs) Greatest person award goes to Bill Shalop and that other guy, Tony Bennett, who has too many letters. Tony Bennett. It was for, it was for, uh, Best Traditional Pop, which is a category that was essentially created for music that is kind of the American popular song that comes out of the theater. Kern, Berlin, Porter, Gershwin, Arlen, mm-hmm. right. Rogers, and uh, et cetera. And, uh, Buck Rogers, that is. Well, of course, of yeah. course. Um, Roy. <laughs> correct, also. But uh, there are uh, albums that are made by people like well, 
uh, Seth MacFarlane and Paul McCartney and Bob Dylan and Rod Stewart and, of course, Tony Bennett um, and others which are focusing on that repertoire. And so they made a special category for that. And Tony tends to pick up that award pretty easily when mm -hmm. he makes records there because that's authentically where he lives mm -hmm. in such a uh, real way. And the album he did with Lady Gaga, was that also in that same category? May have been, you know, I don't know. I have to, I will look that no, up. No, that was a duo album. Was that, that was a duets the, album? Yeah, the category was duo. I see. Okay, because yeah. the album that's, uh, that you have out now with uh, Diana Krall and Tony Bennett, yes. that's a duets album you between know, those two, right? I really don't know. I'm afraid to tell you that I'm not enough involved with in the Grammy, the, uh, the music business <laughs> part of the music business. Uh -huh. Though I ought to be with you two cats here. That's yeah. right. But so it goes. You'll have to, you'll have to forgive you me millions. on that one. That's right. So I was just going to Google something as we were. Well, what did I say I was going to Google? Hey, listeners, give us a tweet and tell us what I was going to Google. Cheek to cheek, something about the album? Yeah, your album. I don't cheek remember. I don't no. Know, you but I knew, yeah. What's cheek to cheek? I don't know. A cheek to cheek is the way we're sitting Tony right Bennett. now. Yeah, nobody, can, nobody can tell it's us. Also song Next. By, it's also a song by Irving Berlin. Yes, that's right. Okay. And originally it was uh, Gluteus Maximus to Gluteus Maximus, but yes. they felt that's not something that we can sell. No, it's like Elderly Man River. Right. He must mean something. He doesn't say anything. That's right. It's just not a very Makes good sense. lyric. We have other people in the studio, Dr. Esteban Marconi. Boy, that's something. Yes, it is. And so, so something that we have less oxygen to breathe in here. First, we do have our engineer, Ashley Weltner, who's here Yay! with us. Ashley Weltner. Bravo. Yes. Great to have you here, Ashley. She's wearing a hat. We can't tell what color her hair is. There's a little little greenness coming through, and we don't mean inexperience. And then Ashley. we also... Actually, Ashley. The new sitcom on NBC, Thursdays at 8, this coming fall. It would only last two episodes, don't worry. And then we also have with us our student of the day, his name is William McKee. William McKee. Yes. Uh, hi. <laughs> hi. I must say I've had William McKee in some of my ensembles, and he is a brilliant saxophone player. Oh, what instrument do you play? Alto. <laughs> yeah, how saxophone. Many of, how many of you are there in the quartet? Just one of me. Okay. <laughs> That's a damn nice quartet. There. I do yeah. believe I'm outclassed by all of you, but I will try my best to keep up. Right. You're you're in class. Right. I am. This, this is, is this is class. class. You're right. Anything class. with Bill Charlotte is class. That's right. Bill Always Charlotte. learning. <laughs> yes. There we go. So, Dr. Marky Marconi. You're not thanking anyone. You're doing nothing. You're just I, I, out of sorts. This, I, we have been you're so totally thrown. Totally out of sorts. It's a two-hour show. We didn't have that little for sorry intro, and he's lost. I know. Go Thanks on. to Rob, our other Grammy winner, Rob Fusari. Yes. How many? I wonder how many Grammy winners we've had at William Patterson. There's you. There's Rob Fusari. There's the guy. There's the other jazz guy who graduated. The drummer, right? Who won? Didn't, didn't he win? Who who won if the I'm big uh, award? Uh, uh, Pete McGinnis. Well, He's been he nominated. 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 He never yeah. won. All right, so it goes. Yeah. Okay. Well, not that someone goes. He didn't win a Grammy. Uh, so I don't well, know. It's a music business award. <laughs> it's a very political. Yes, it is. And you'll be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame before me. Well, you know, I, I uh, <laughs> unfortunately didn't get to join yet, but <laughs> that would have been my first yes. calling. Affirmative. Yeah, that guy was taller than me, though, and yeah. had more hair. So we should give thanks. Yes. On this day. So uh, hands together, eyes closed. <laughs> Let us nod and give thanks to the folks at Van Dyne Bruno Inc. White Hat Management.
with mm -hmm. artists like Dave Matthews, Three Doors Down, St. Vincent, and Kiss. There's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to VB. hyphen cpa.com when you're ready do you have a business manager bill charlap i have a booking agent but i do not have a business okay agent. if we were on the witness stand i would start badgering the witness because you i say your honor he's not answering the you're question you're badgering right. me already <laughs> i've already been I'm, I'm i'm the badger tonight it's my favorite animal after the goat and our thanks also go out to christine they I also am quite <laughs> fond of the goat. Yes, we, we love the goat and uh, the cheese that the goat brings to us. Christine Oyve. Oh, yes. That's what I was saying. Wealth manager and president of Oyve. Wealth, I'm sorry. <laughs> manager and president of They Wealth Management. Christine has helped many of our professionals. William the Patterson. To manage your investments <laughs> and plan for retirement, if you're looking for some guidance on how to plan for your retirement, if you have questions on anything from investments, portfolio management to insurance retirement planning, give Christine a call at William. Please repeat after me. 732. 732. 455. 455. 1510. 1510. You can also email or hat. Christine at theywealth.com for advisement. Wow. And leave the last oil off for savings. That's all we ever ask of any of our <laughs> listeners. Go to musicbiz101wp.com, sign up for our newsletter, and get all this banter for free every Sunday and every Wednesday. And also follow us on the Instagram, the Twitter, the Fest, and the Book at musicbiz101wp. And, of course, you will hear this podcast on iTunes, the SoundCloud, and the Spotify. Yes. With that in mind, Managing Your Band 6th Edition is out by you. I can tell them to buy it. I just can't give them the price. You can't buy it. It can can't be bought. Look at it. It's free. What? Look at it. Yeah, look I'm at it, but pick it up and it. put it right back where you found it. All right. And then uh, <laughs> William Patterson University's music business program is ranked. How well are we ranked? One of the best programs in the country to study about the music business. According to Billboard magazine. Correct. Not my mother. Right. Yes. That's all right. This is for the University of William Patterson. Superb. That's my new name. I've been saying William Patterson, the university for years now. I've changed it to the University of William Patterson because that starts with a U and will be ranked higher alphabetically than the others. That's correct. Thank you. Dr. Marky Marconi. Yes. You give it up for Bill Charlop and you ask him some hard hitting ah, questions. Some hard questions. Yes. Well, this is uh, the second time you've been on. It is. You were on about a year ago or two years ago. No one's ever asked me that question. I can't even remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure of that. Anyway. More than two years, two and a half years. I've been, uh, and of course, this is a music business show, so we want to start to look at that side, and you've been so successful. We're, we're a pro. In many, uh, <laughs> you know, in many areas, of course, and respected by so many. But um, some. More than, more than not. Uh, but More than I, not. Like That's my motto. That uh, you know, you've been associated with the American Songbook yes. for quite a while. Whether it's through your series at the Y or things you've done at uh, Lincoln Center and so on and so forth, and it's uh, a discussion that I've had many times over the last probably five years or so, and it really has to do with the American Songbook. And we know when rock and roll came in. It's sort of the traditional 32-bar song and sort of was uh, sort of started to get eclipsed by the blues and then further on by experimentation, such as the Beatles doing things with seven bars and so on and so on. Nevertheless, they wrote uh, certainly 32-bar and 64-bar and 16-bar yeah. songs. So did Carole King and so right. did uh, so they have, a lot I of mean, great writers. You know, we have contributed 
in terms of rock as a genre, oh, certainly yeah. have contributed to the American Songbook. Sure. Then in in the 90s, hip-hop started to come in, and what hip-hop did uh, right off the bat was throw out the traditional song form. That there was Well, at least it threw out the melody and the harmony. And and also the um, the the succession of the way it's going to be is it's it doesn't necessarily be a a b a. Sometimes they start with a chorus. Sometimes they do their rap. Sometimes they end. It's like a jungle. Sometimes it makes me wonder how I keep from going under. That's right. <laughs> Consequently, and that was one of the the best, obviously, um, what gave it credibility. But my question is. And I'm, I asked this question many times, as I said, is do you feel there's going to be a void in the American songbook for these years? In other words, are we going to go to a, a function, a wedding or something, and you go to a wedding today and you still might hear Motown, but you'll hear rock and roll songs or something. Is there going to be something by Kanye West that everybody's going to get up and dance to in 20 years from now? Or, or uh, Drake or... Whomever. Probably not. Um, because, uh, well, one of the things you have to understand very clearly is that the songs that were written for the theater, when the theater was at the epicenter of American culture, mm -hmm. were written by people like Jerome Kern, Irving Berlin, George Gershwin, Cole Porter, Richard Rogers, Harold Arlen. Sure. And that's, uh, that's the real Mount Rushmore there of theater writers. Mm -hmm. But... They were writing a blueprint. Their songs were sung by the actors in the theater. They were arranged by the theater arrangers. Then they were taken by jazz musicians and um, illuminated with their ideas and their compositional techniques and their improvisation techniques mm -hmm. and their imaginations and their instant arrangements and also not always instant arrangements. Um, and then great interpretive American singers uh, mm -hmm. from Billie Holiday, Louis Armstrong, Nat Cole, uh, Frank Sinatra, etc. So, what I'm the point I'm making is essentially the definitive Jerome Kern song was not necessarily recorded by Jerome Kern. Mm -hmm. In fact, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas the definitive Stevie Wonder or Prince or Jimi Hendrix or Robert Plant. Led Zeppelin, right. um, uh, or Kanye song definitively is performed by the performer. Mm -hmm. It is linked to the performer. That is true, I think, also of the Beatles. Now, people play Beatles songs, but I can't think of a more definitive performance of any Beatles song than by One Lennon, McCartney, right. and uh, the rest. Um, so I think that one of the main reasons why the repertoire is going to still be repertoire from the great theater writers is because that blueprint is built for the interpretive musician mm -hmm. and particularly the jazz musician. Mm -hmm. However, that doesn't mean, uh, you know, obviously at a wedding you're going to have uh, uh, popular hits and that's part of playing uh, club dates or weddings or popular music. So I can't speak to that very eruditely because I don't really do that sort of thing uh, but I have, you know, mm -hmm. certainly, and but that was 30 years ago or more, and uh, the climate has changed a great sure. deal. Um, but I do think that the music 
the popular music is connected very much with the performer of that music. It's not necessarily a blueprint made for the interpretive performer. And I think that is part of rock and roll. Now, if right. I could talk about one other thing, which is a little bit more technical. But um, with the songs that we play in jazz groups for jazz improvisers, basically, in terms of how they're built, they are built of chords of the seventh. In other mm -hmm. words, four-note chords and chords of the seventh, those sounds. Those sounds uh, are a canvas that is more... Um, there is more meat on the bones for the improviser to create new melodies and new arrangements mm -hmm. and new concepts mm -hmm. on those type of songs. A lot of the time uh, when uh, the music changed into a music that is well, certainly from America and then to England and then brought back to America and all of the kinds of things that happen in uh, more pop music of today. And when I say of today, I mean really from the late 50s on. Mm -hmm. um, what you have is music that is triadic more than it's music of the seventh. And I think that is a, a very important distinction where to develop it and to develop it melodically and harmonically, one needs to recompose the music more than use the original blueprint mm -hmm. that the writer gave us. So mm -hmm. all of those things influence some of right. my answer, and that's why I say no, you may not necessarily have those as what we call standards because right. they're not built with the same criteria. This is not a judgment in any way of saying it's no. lesser. It's a. It's just a different art, and it's an art that has, that means something different. Just as Picasso's cubist art means something different than uh, uh, Soroya's uh, figurative painting. Mm -hmm. Now, you, the first point is is, um, I think, very interesting and very pertinent because Sinatra, for instance, was criticized that he couldn't sing rock, and I always would say that's because exactly what you're saying that in rock, the performance became more important than actually the song itself. Well, and also it's dialectics and it's the sound of the rhythm and it's it's uh, yeah. really, you know, listen, Rod Stewart can't sing standards exactly. any better than Frank Sinatra can sing uh, Hard Day's Night. Yeah, ex exactly. So. And, and that distinction, I think you, you said it clearly when you brought it up, but I haven't, you're one of the first people that, that I've had this conversation with that has made that distinction that I've always felt. Mm is one of the distinctions and uh, sort of I was please understand I have the greatest admiration oh, for no. REM and for Prince oh, and yeah, for no. all the giants of, of the but music the the, the, um, <clears throat> the idea being that I think sometimes people don't understand that that distinction which is pretty obvious when you really look into it and I was actually surprised when so much and it started more with the Motown than the Beatles mm. so much entered into the songbook and i said but those like you just said stevie one is going to do stevie wonder better than better than anybody else stevie, i can't stevie you know and however Byrne. those songs are a bit richer because they come from uh first of all the church they come from a richer tradition harmonically yes they are connected with the blues they're right. connected with a slightly um richer harmonic framework exactly and so stevie's songs are a little bit more open but right. still He's better at it yeah. because the arrangement matters and the performance matters right. and the artist matters. However, there's occasionally, uh, 
Hoagie Carmichael, for instance. Now, Hoagie Carmichael was a personality, and he made his own records of Skylark or Old Buttermilk mm -hmm, Sky or mm -hmm. Stardust. But maybe they're not the definitive ones. Right. Probably the definitive uh, uh, Stardust would belong to someone like Louis Armstrong. Yeah, maybe. More than, more than Hoagie. Sure. Now, when you guys are talking about performance... Uh, and you had mentioned uh, rock and roll became more about the performance and the song. Are you talking about the performance on stage or the performance when recorded? It's I, a little bit of everything, yeah, isn't it? Well, it's a little both. bit of the entire mm -hmm. aesthetic. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a show and it's the meaning of, hey, I look like this, I sound like this, I'm playing at this volume, we're playing with this attitude, um, and I mean to say that uh, there's something else. I always laugh when I see a record that's by a popular singer or a jazz singer and it says, love songs. Well, they're all love songs. Mm -hmm. It's very rare that you'd have a song that's from the theater that has transcended and become the type of songs that we play, all the things you are, mm -hmm. uh, body and soul. Um, uh, on and on and on. They are love songs. What they are is all different ways of the myriad feelings of love being expressed. So it, it's a different way of saying something else about mm -hmm. love, perhaps. Mm -hmm. So there's that first. But remember, you got to... Uh, and, and that's not true for every song, but for many, many, many. It's funny, Frank Sinatra said about the song, It's So Peaceful in the Country, which says, It's so peaceful in the country, it's so restful and quiet, you really ought to try it. And it talks about how, much, how great it is to be in the country. Right. And Frank Sinatra saw the song. Alec Wilder brought it to him. It's a wonderful song. He said, where's the girl? <laughs> In other words, yes. there was, it was a love song to the country, which was wonderful. But for Frank, yeah. it was not something that he could wrap himself around and tell a story because yeah. he saw himself as a romantic lead all the time, and that just wasn't going to fit yeah. for him. Yeah, um, anyway, what I'm getting at is something a little more important. White Rabbit is not a love song. Mm -hmm. It's about something else. Um, you know, Strawberry Fields is not about that. Mm -hmm. uh, nor is uh, Black Dog. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, they're about right. something. Well, actually, no, that is. Hey, hey, mama, sit there. Well, it's, maybe it's a little more carnal, but, right. uh, but, but um, they're saying something else. That's all. Mm -hmm. Stairway to Heaven says something different. Mm -hmm. You know? Right. Some of it is metaphor. Some of it is what you put on it. Think of Yes's lyrics. They're all just colors. They're like a painter. You know, that's the way now, he thinks. Now, probably the closest to the uh, uh, songbook would be the country genre. That's different, though. It's very different, and it's, it's, it's absolutely its own music and its own tradition. Mm -hmm. uh, those guys, boy, they play so great. I mean, I could sit and listen to Merle Haggard's band and sure, listen sure. to the guys in that band, and they just play so beautiful. They know how to play that yeah, music. Yeah. If I sat down with a band like that, I would just sound terrible. Yeah. I wouldn't know what to do. But, you know, it's, it's that type of thing that is so interesting to me when there's a language and there's a full language and mm -hmm. a complete language. Mm -hmm. um, so, listen, it's, it's... Duke Ellington said it. It's, I don't want to be corny, but it's... There's only two kinds of music. Right. There's this that that's good and that that is not. Right. And that's subjective too. Somebody else might say, "Well, I love this." I might say, "Sure." I don't, and I can tell you why I don't. But and that person might still look at me and say, "I still love it." Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. But but country still has the the story. There's a well, it's got a story. 
no, is an end. I mean, no doubt. And there's a there's definitely um, room an for interpretation. Too. Certainly, and there's mm -hmm. an essence to um, one man or woman telling their singular story. Mm -hmm. That's important too. It's relatable. Well, and it's from one person. You know, we could get very, very deep and into the concept of romanticism in music and, in fact, the idea of uh, from Bach's time to Beethoven's time, where Bach was writing to the glory of God, Beethoven was somewhat shaking his fist at God. Yes. <laughs> and I think that that's a piece of what is important, too. And what rock and roll says even more, this is my music. Every... um generation has to have that feeling of this is mine right mm -hmm. there's some feeling of that mm -hmm. um something that expresses well right that's beautiful and it usually is uh, that's beautiful my parents love that but this is mine right now i have a second part to that question please that i started and we got into a very nice discussion i think it's great uh the second part is that the generation before the war babies which and war? The, oh, well, World War II. It's known as okay. war. But the generation before yes. me, because I'm right after World War II, yes. would listen to something, and then when they got to a certain age, an adult age, they would switch their listening habits to some other type of music. Mm. But rock and roll, that hasn't happened. People, War babies now don't go back to listen to Sinatra or, or I mean, as a diet. A real diet. They stayed like why, reason why the Rolling Stones can still get four hundred dollars a ticket at seventy years old. Yeah, seventy I'll, years old. I'll buy one too. And we yeah. did not, you know, we did not do that as we were supposed to get out of our Levi's and uh -huh. go into something else. Well, because it's the essence of the first time that you became uh, your complete self. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's still music I listen to, I love to listen to from when I was 11 and 12 and 13. Mm -hmm. This is a really important period for any person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, that even if it isn't the diet of most of what I listen to, it speaks in some special way. But I, back to what you're saying. What year were you born? 45. So you're, Okay. I, I see what you're talking about. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. So you're 20 in 1965. Right. Well, that says a lot because there's a huge schism that's going on in this country. You're from the United States yeah. of America. Yeah. Um, there's a huge schism going on in this country at that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, not that there isn't one going on now, but there's um, um, there are many emancipations that have to continue and that are continuing. And that's one of the best things about America. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was... Um, I think that it would be hard to go back to before because there was such... Uh, it was the first time that I think a generation of young people felt, hey, I really can't trust Yeah. My parents and Certainly. the government and the people around. But me. even earlier than that, it got back to what we were saying too that we were so engulfed in Chubby Checker or or Chuck Berry. Well, that with, too. You know what I mean with yes. the, with the performance. Yeah. And so on. Then you go on and you listen to somebody would turn on. Let's say they'd listen to Doris Day or something, 
That was a, a real slock in the in the mid fifties. It's go, too well. Doris Day's a beautiful singer. Yes, but and I mean, some of those things are really lovely. But you sure. really do. You know, it's like if you love Stravinsky, it might be harder for you to really understand and dig Brahms. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's something about the edginess of it, maybe, that without a certain edge, you might not be able to hear through the stylistic yeah. differences. It's, a, it's the rebellion part. That's, I think that's a piece of it. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I think it's a very important time that you were 20, and I think that that's key. You have a question for because we could talk music. Yeah. For, for well, all I mean, night. It's, these are there's no real answers to this. No, it no, becomes just, very individual, but you do have to put it in the it, context of where you came up. But it's thought provoking. It sure is. You know. Yeah. I'll tell you what is interesting. Seeing a young generation that comes up now, where the tradition is the Beatles. Led Zeppelin, oh, okay. the Rolling Stones. That's the tradition. I teach. I teach the courses. I know. I'll, I know you, I know you I'll do. Ask them for early rock, and they'll I know talk you to do. me about Van Halen. Well, so <laughs> it goes. Uh, but but that's a very interesting thing, I think. Yes. And what I mean to say is, it shows that as jazz was building a tradition, uh, perhaps in 1910, 1920. Well, perhaps rock and roll has built a tradition maybe from the late 50s sure and means. and now there really is you can hear new bands and say oh these guys are coming a little from pink floyd i can right. hear some led right. zeppelin and some john lennon sure. in there sure. oh this guy sounds like prince he likes stevie wonder you can hear all of those right. things you can hear um the roots and i think that's a, a wonderful and, thing and to add to that too is when there is these rock and roll hall of fame jams and they get 10 you know, from Jeff Beck to anyone on stage, what do they do? They do a Chuck Berry. They do they do music from the 50s. Well, the they blues, do the roots. The blues is definitely yeah, always going to be do, at the they center. They do it with that tradition, as you're talking about, that that was built. Well, there and, it is. And the roots. You so know. It's, it's int it really is something interesting. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Uh, uh, Professor. Uh, Phil, I got carried this away. Is wonderful. Speak. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I'm actually going to refrain from a question and have William McKee. Yes. There is a tweeted question out for Bill Charlotte. All right. And William's going to read tweet that away. tweet to you. I'm being paid a lot of money for this one small uh -oh. job. Yes. <laughs> we have a question in from Jordan Pasola, and he asks, question for Bill Charlotte, after years of experience in jazz and a Grammy, what inspires you to continue to learn and develop your craft? Try to get better. Just try to get better all the time. Mm. You want to... Uh... Um, Where's the inspiration come from to do that? Well, Art Tatum and Bill Evans and Bud Powell and Barry Harris and Stravinsky and Beethoven and everyone who's up there on the shelf, who never comes down off the shelf, who's always up there and who's always watching and who's always listening all the time. And that tells you uh, to bore closer and closer to your center all the time and try to uh, develop your craft from the inside out it never it never ends it's not uh, the the more uh, you've been able perhaps to accomplish if that's even the goal uh, the more you see that the more excitement you have to discover something some new way of expressing or some deeper way of expressing something else you know look at the paintings of Soroya 
there's so much in every inch of them. There's so much. So you just keep digging. That's all. That's the inspiration. Um, so you, you said bore to the center and kind of find your sound and, and things like that. And uh, someone at my age, I feel like uh, I'm constantly developing myself and my center changes all the time. So uh, I guess, um, like, how do you see, how does your music change as you're trying to find yourself? And does your, do you change and does your style of playing adapt? Well, you change. Right. So your music changes. And at the same time, I understand this question, especially from your vantage point. Now, how old are you, William, if you don't mind me asking? I am 20 years old. Okay, so you're 20. And so your job right now, uh, and it's the same job that I have, is to really develop the most profound box of tools that you can. And that means really studying your craft as deeply as you can. And often it means walking in the shoes of the giants that came before you and not worrying so much about the idea of where do I find my voice? Your voice will come through. You're dealing with a very great craft, you know, uh, and a very intense craft that has myriad levels of depth so as you get closer and closer to the essence of all of the great things that may be very attractive to you uh, on and also run towards the canons of the things that maybe you don't like so much but somebody else is telling you well that guy's a genius or that lady's a genius you might want to check out what they're doing um, all I'm saying is as you get closer and closer to the deepest thinkers and the deepest musicians and artists, your art starts to come through. And you'll find that, I find that I want to work more and more at simple things, at the essence of the music. That essence might be the essence of harmony or the essence of rhythm or the essence of a song and what really makes it tick in every, uh, every area. It's turning it over. And as you turn it over, as you get older, as you get older or just more experienced, you'll see something and you'll discover it and that will send you off on another <clears throat> tributary off the great river, you know? Mm. We're all part of the procession. That's a great word because we're all together in that procession. So we're all moving forward. Mm -hmm. two, two things, um, one thing, uh, a listener, Liam Karekis, Oh. who is a drummer. He's a great drummer. Of my favorite band, Switch Mob. He's also in the program here. Uh, he he says, also plays great jazz. Yes, and he says hello to you. Hi, Liam. And he asked for us to say his name on the air. <laughs> Liam so, correct. Yes, there we go. Liam, Liam, Liam. And uh, the, the second part is, because I was having a sort of a discussion specifically with him last week about, um, about learning and about maturing and, and growing. For you, when did you start to realize that you learned how to learn? Like, you can sit down for you a piano. I, I'm a drummer. Marconi's a trumpet player. You know, you can sit and you can practice. But at one point, you realize that you're really learning how to do this, how to turn this into a craft from beyond. I'm just practicing the notes because my teacher told me to. I've had some magnificent teachers, though, who I really, really admired. People mm -hmm. like Jack Riley and Dick Hyman and mm -hmm. Eleanor Hancock and Sir Richard Rodney Bennett and also my peers, uh, Kenny Washington, Peter Washington, Sean Smith, John Gordon, Rini Rosnes, my wife, my mm -hmm. mom, Sandy Stewart, my father, Moose Charlap. They were teachers, so 
all the people you play with who are your peers and all the great masters that I've been lucky enough to play with gave me certain things that I, I could do. And I kept looking for ways to actually figure out, you know, how to force the growth. I mean, force is the wrong word, but how to nurture it. And uh, if something is giving me trouble at any point, now I've done enough of the type of study where I've had to focus in on each piece of minutia that I know how to uh, attack a problem so I will be able to get better at it. That's mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does that make some kind of sense? So, so if somebody's listening and they're thinking, wow, he just hit on something about the... Like, whether it's me trying to play, even in rock and roll, you know, some specific drum area in a solo or in a song or something, or, or for you, when you hit the hard part of the song. Mm -hmm. So what is it that you've learned to do to Well, uh, the, there are so many different technical things mm -hmm. that you can do. Let's imagine that you're trying to figure out something in a groove with the drums. Well, the very first thing you want to do is slow it down. Mm -hmm. Slow it down. And so you can look at each... Thing that you're playing, the tom, the snare, the bass drum, the floor tom, the cymbals, every utterance that you're making. And then, why don't you take out all of it except for maybe what you're doing if you're using of tom, that. Focus only on that. Then add one more thing to it. Remember, your tempo is still down. Go up one notch on the metronome and add one more component. Listen to it. Is it all working with itself? can try it with a metronome. Put the metronome on every possible beat. You know, this is Scharenberg. The idea is we look at it from every possible vantage point. So it can be very technical, the type of thing I'm talking about. Um, it also is, uh, let's say I really want to understand a song. That these foolish things. I'm going to go to Billie Holiday singing it because she's at the essence of the music. You know, there are certain players... Orrin O'Brien, great bassist. She was the first female musician who was a member of the New York Philharmonic. I think that's true. Maestro Bernstein hired her. And um, she was my brother's teacher. And she used to always say, my brother's a, a contrabassist. And she used to always say to Tommy, don't waste your, don't waste your time with anything second rate. Mm. So there really is very little time to spend... <laughs> not with the masters. There's not really enough time in life. Um, that doesn't mean that if something is an offshoot that really attracts you, you shouldn't explore it. But finally, you keep going back to the simple things. So, foolish things. I'd probably go to Lester Young and Billie Holiday because they're, that's pretty definitive. Mm -hmm. want to hear how they approached it. Then, I might want to hear how all manner of giants of improvisers might have played that song. Charlie Parker, Lee Konitz, uh, Paul Desmond, um, I said Lester Young. Then I might want to look at the sheet music and see how the engraver uh, may have put the harmony together. And what makes that harmony different from the harmony that our Tatum plays? Everything that I can find out about that song then I might want to take it through all 12 keys and make sure I know it that way. Mm -hmm. Separate the bass line from the melody. Separate the chords from all of that. Make sure I know every word. Figure out who the writers were. What were they thinking? What were they thinking when they wrote the song? When was the song written? What songs were written before it? What songs were written after it? Why is it so iconic? What does it relate to? 
spiritually, physically, all the way through within the song, what is it about the structure of it that makes it important and why does it still stand the test of time? All those kind of things. And then at the same time, there's all kinds of technical things I can do at my own instrument, um, figuring out how to get closer to the center as an improviser. And, um, and uh, then you don't mm -hmm. get bored, really. It's well, you know, really impossible to. What's interesting, so Marconi, I found a parallel as, he, as he's talking, because um, it's music biz, 101 and more, and where you're going is sort of the and more. But everything you're saying, we can use actually to solve problems outside of music. Now, I'm that certain. was the specific for music, but if I'm with a record label, we have our next uh, caller is going to be calling from Atlantic Records, mm. and he's in the A&R process. Mm. And we were at Atlantic Records last week, and we were speaking with people who are involved in different sorts of uh, digital marketing and influencer marketing, and all, they're doing all these different things to try and break new artists so that they stream more, so that people buy more tickets, buy more merch, all that kind of stuff for the business side. Mm -hmm. And I can, <laughs> I can imagine a lot of them sitting in a room all right, here's another artist, another hip-hop artist, another, what is it about this artist that's going to well, make... Well, that's that always we... the secret. Now, this yeah. is America, mm -hmm. and so we are in the country of, uh, well, it's a television community. It's, it's a, oh, have you tried? Thank you. I'm, I'm going to change the channel. You better grab my attention in two seconds. Hey, buddy, right. it's right. a 32-bar song. It's a 16-bar song. It's a blues. Get right to it. Get my attention immediately. What about you is different mm -hmm. than her you know and that's, that's where all of that and that's where I'm, I'm the parallel is you, you then sit in a room whether it's by yourself if you're a diy sort of person or you're working with a label and you have the group of people you do exactly what you just said and you all sit in the room and you slow it down and you break it all down mm -hmm. and you look at other artists and what have worked for them what have not worked how do they compare to this artist what could we potentially steal and use with this artist that may work and what did the art that specific artist said and what is you mentioned the core of this artist what is the main mm -hmm. idea of this artist thematically as a human being or through the music you know all these things you were kind of talking about you can create a plan for on the business side but yeah. you know what you also find that out about yourself i'm thinking about someone like william who's younger and, and developing his craft right now you find those things out about yourself in the process and they change too mm -hmm. but by uh, by by that much study and slowing things down and going to the masters or what has worked for somebody else who when it's worked really really great um you try to find all of those things and say okay let's see if this works for me now that might not work for you Everybody's got a different story. Everybody's got some different aesthetic. If I go and try to act like somebody else at the piano who is completely real and does something that they do the best that it can be done, even if I can kind of ape it the best I can, and it's not me, everyone's going to know. Mm -hmm. People are going to mm -hmm. feel it. People right. are going to feel it. You've got to finally get to your essence and know this is, this is the story at least I have to tell today. So yeah. anyway, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent from what you're saying. No, that's okay. I have nothing more to say about it. <laughs> to bring this back to the um, the yeah. business and the jazz uh, centrally, we, we find even the jazz students here, some of them have to take, uh, on the graduate level, for instance, they have to take a music business course and, mm. and so on. And when we were designing the graduate program, 
and Dave Dempsey was sitting and I was sitting and, and so on. What, what we wanted to do with the mess is, is exactly sort of what you alluded to a little while ago. It was not the idea to put together a program so somebody could come in and they're playing giant steps at 220 and then when they get out they play it at 280. That was not what I was interested in. I was interested in them dissecting a Strayhorn tune or, or whomever and say, why did he write it at that time? Why did it sound like that? Mm. What were the components within the entire environment at that particular time that made that tune become that tune? And we find that that is all well and good, even though sometimes they're kicking at us saying, I want to be practicing, I don't want to be writing this um, paper and whatever. And we find that they take one business course and we find that same sort of kicking that comes and that to, that I'd rather be doing the music than than doing this which we try to emphasize to them that it's as important it may not be as as fun but it's going to be as important to you to to get your entrepreneurship together it's a little bit of both you know Scriabin was uh, of course revered in Russia as uh, a great a giant musical mm -hmm. mind, and this mm -hmm. is when Horowitz was a little boy, and Horowitz's parents arranged to bring Horowitz to Scriabin, and Horowitz played for him, and he said, you know, to the parents, he said, well, your son is a pianist, and he will be a pianist. There's nothing that will keep him from being that, mm -hmm. but he will also be, um, but you need to make sure that he is a complete musician, mm -hmm. so make sure he's well-read. Make sure he's educated. Make sure he knows all about everything in the arts and the world. Make sure that that is there right. so he can be complete. So maybe that's a piece of yeah. what you're talking about. But, but there is something else, and this is what Bill Evans told his brother, Harry Evans, in an interview where Harry was a, a great music educator and musician, and Bill, of course, was a, a great genius. And Harry's asking Bill, how did you break into the music business? Question you get a lot of the time. And Bill kept saying, I felt if I was really taking care of business in a profound way, even if I was doing it in a closet, someone would come and open the door. So there's some spiritual aspect mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. what I, under I understand that a student right. might feel of, I, I want to be with know, my I craft always, right now. I, I put it in another way, maybe it's the art versus commerce. Well, In other words, if they don't want to get to that commerce level, they want to stay in the art level. We even had some graduate students say oh you mean i could call my business another name so they wouldn't you know wouldn't have to be steve marconi incorporated right. but it could be some oh well then yeah then that so i started to think about that that argument there is creativity you know? in presentation of who the self is yeah and each one finally has to uh own some category of who their art is. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, a piece of what you you are talking about. And I think it's important. Yeah. How we relate, how we're getting across to everyone around us, you know. Mm -hmm. What's the theater in who we are? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and what's the, even our message? But I do think that there's, you must think about, this is, we're entertainers. It's a business. Exactly. That's what there is a level <laughs> where we have to get, we're thinking about, not just going up and being in a shell, but making it so that it incredibly interior mm -hmm. thing 
also shoots right to the back row. Yes. And I don't mean just the back row of the theater, but the back row of the world yeah. and communicating. Well, mm. I guess uh, exactly. it's, it's being comprehensive. And obviously the business mm -hmm. is a very important piece of that and how you fall within it, how you present and understanding maybe the forces around you also. So not that you can manipulate them, but so you can honestly find your way within them uh, in a way that doesn't sell anything short of your truth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and my answer will always be to them, you can always find a better guitar player. You know, but this, this guy, well, I play better than him. Yes, but he's an entertainer, too, just what you're saying. Yes. He's hitting that back row. Well, you, you, have to, the world. you have to find that thing that, it's, that made people say, ah. Yeah, <laughs> and you, everybody is in miles. Everybody can't play, then turn around and put their back to well, the but, but that really was him. He wasn't That's just right. trying... He wasn't just trying to be cool. He actually was deeply shy. Yeah, yeah. So there are a couple of things going on. When it's real, people know it, especially when it's that raw. You yeah, know? Yeah. That's really what we want. Everyone wants to be heard. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to be heard for who they really are. And everyone wants to be... Um, what we love in art is that which is the most real somehow. Yep. That thing that says, yeah! You really took the chance. You had the courage to let yeah. what was inside out. Right. Uh, anyway, right. yes, yeah. you have to communicate. You want to communicate. You can't, um, and, and that is something really to learn. Performance is not just how deeply you're dealing with your craft, but how you present your craft. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. All right, we have about four minutes you're left. You're going to ask him how he got into the business? <laughs> <laughs> so... You do need one other thing. This is a, this is Johnny Mandel to me in a recording studio with Barbara Streisand in it at Capitol Recording. It sounds very auspicious and very heady, and it was. I was the piano player, the great Johnny Mandel, the great mm -hmm. orchestrator, composer, um, and Barbara Streisand, the great Barbara Streisand. She wanted to sing Here's to Life, and Shirley Horn had, of course, made the perfect record of mm -hmm. Here's to Life. And I said to Johnny Mandel, Johnny, that's the perfect record. It was the perfect singer at the perfect time in her career, the perfect arrangement, the perfect musicians, the perfect recording studio, um, the perfect song. Everything about it was perfect. And Johnny looks at me, he says, you're missing one <laughs> thing. And I'm thinking to myself, got the song, got the singer, got the time in their career, got the musicians, got the studio, got the... Uh, composer got the arranger. I got everything. I, every, I'm thinking about everything. Okay, I'll bite. And Mandel, who's in his 80s at this point, now he's Ooh. in his 90s, he said to me, Luck. <laughs> now, it's point. a beautiful thing, he said, because all of those perfect things were there, and every single one of them took hours and years of toil to get to the center to be the perfect song or the perfect singer or the perfect arrangement all of those things that's what you work at and then there's that moment where you have to let uh something greater than yourself take control mm -hmm. and you need some luck right and there you almost have then you all these perfects create the perfect storm for that particular performance mm -hmm. of that but song. remember 
Johnny had probably done a lot of things where everything was perfect, mm -hmm. and luck wasn't there on that day. Yeah. So that's something to remember, too. If it doesn't go well one day, you get another day. Mm -hmm. yeah. So mm -hmm. well, I hope luck would be a lady tonight, <laughs> Dr. Esteban. <laughs> so would Frank Lesser. Yeah. <laughs> and, and one thing that uh, was missing also from that whole thing, I mean, here you are doing it with Streisand. Um, at the, this is about a decade ago. Oh, when wow. do you think that was? That, yeah, that record a, a little a little yeah probably about that maybe a little less but somewhere okay because she was still making a lot when she would record it still meant something um in terms of the mass market she put out a new record oh, recently that mean, yeah. that fell but i'm not surprised yeah but for yeah. that point for you guys to be there with streisand yeah that's because it's Barbara Streisand. I Stryzian, simply was you know? thinking of her in yeah. context of who she is, she is sure. in terms of the theater, mm -hmm. in terms of Harold Arlen and Alan mm -hmm. and Marilyn Bergman right. and and her iconic, very very wonderful musicianship and mm -hmm. all of that. Mm -hmm. um, but I I, it's uh, fun, I take your point. No, the the very interesting thing is um, I've noticed during this discussion how how we we think similarly but but differently. You keep going back to the art which is who you are and what you are. I keep going back to the business side. I keep going back when you said he was going to say luck, um, all these perfects, you're forgetting the one thing when you were saying that. To me, it was Barbara Streisand because people are going to buy these records. You're going to sell well, a lot more CDs relatively today to back when that record mm -hmm. came out. What mm -hmm. year was that 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 performance that you said was the perfect one year? What year was oh, that? Oh, for Shirley Horn. Yeah, for now, Shirley That's Horn. a little later. I mean that's that's early. a little early, earlier. Yeah, like uh, I'm trying to think of what era that would have been in if that was '92. Okay, 90? so still, yeah, yeah, you're still in there, maybe a little early, but not that too, right. too much. I mean, it was really Shirley Horn had a um, a second spring at, at near the end of her mm -hmm. life, and it yeah. was marvelous. Yeah, was that Mar what she was on with Verve Forecast? Yeah. Miles, that what she was on? Miles yes. said something too. Yes, well, definitely. well, Miles loved Shirley Horn's music, yeah, right. and they both loved Ahmad Jamal. So. Right. And of course, Miles played as a as a sideman for the first time in what forty years on a Shirley Horn record. It was yeah, quite that's something. pretty cool. So, right. Well, we've been the sidemen to Bill Charlap yes. for this performance of and a very interesting. Can I come show. back next week? Yeah, yes. you're welcome oh. to come back. Next week will be our last show of the uh, year, of the right. calendar year 2018. But mm -hmm. let's not get there yet. No. First, why don't we give a little bit of thanks to Bill Charlap for being here? Thank you, guys. Thank you Great being with Pleasure. you and great That's being right. here yeah. at Pleasure. WPU. And why don't we give a little bit of thanks to William McKee, who did a little bit of talking. Yes, yes, he did. He had a tweet. Thanks, William. Asked his own question. Okay. Took that bull by the proverbial horns and said, I'm going to ask my friend Bill Charlotte a question. He plays great, too. Thank you. He meant great, too, but. <laughs> and then we ought to thank great Ashley Weltner. Ashley Weltner. Give it up for Ashley yes. Weltner. She's broke. How many broken ribs do you have? She's she has more than one, broken... less than ten broken ribs wow. right now, and she's there. She's man in the board. Yes, I give her a hand. I give her yes. give her a extra applause for her. The show must go on, and it will never stop. Not here on Brave New Radio, 30th anniversary of this radio station, even though it's been around longer. So it's the 30th anniversary of our FM signal. Yes, because when I was here, it was AM and FM cable. That's, That's what right. it was when I uh, had. I used dorms. to have. What? Cable to the dorms. Cable to the dorms. It was, mm -hmm. um, which sounds like a sort of like a mantra. Cable to the dorms, man. We didn't walk around uh, right. the, or the fists up doing that. But um, my radio show back then uh, used to be three hours long, Saturday oh. mornings, because nobody else would do it. So me and somebody else, three hours of Dolly Parton records. 
we would talk over Dolly Parton records. <laughs> classic, talk classic, over. talking about the performance. So anyway, Dr. Esteban, let's give big thanks to Dr. Esteban Marconi making and things happen course, every day, every time. My colleague and co-host, Professor David Kirkfield. I'm the Professor Bravo. David Kirkfield. Bravo to you both very much. And being that is the end of every show, well, this is the end of a show, and at the end of every show, we do not say hello. That would be silly, William, wouldn't it? It would be ridiculous. It would be stupid. So instead, at the end of every show, we say, vulgar. and join in when you find out what the word is. It is, the word of the day is, adios! I read the papers, the less I comprehend the world and all its capers and how it soon will end. Nothing seems to be lasting, but that isn't our affair. We've got something permanent, I mean, in the way we care. It's very clear. Our love is here to stay. Not for a year, but ever and a day. The radio and the telephone and the movies that we know may just be passing fancies and in time